Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm... Guys, the Venom 2 trailer came out this week, and I, I just, I can't even right now. You all made this happen. Everyone that paid for it, Joseph, Tyler, especially Tyler, and especially Joseph, everyone that paid for it, I, I just can't even right now. Just just stop. Let's, let's, let's boycott this movie. I'm going to officially say that. Let's boycott Venom 2. The movie we watched this week was perfectly fine. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> Uh, Alex taking a strong "let there not be carnage" stance. Ooh. It's a very. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very anti carnage right now. <laughs> yeah, you're a very uh uh mad mom's against drunk driving energy today. I'm Britain. <laughs> I believe my comment when I sent you guys the trailer was: "This certainly looks like a sequel to Venom." <laughs> yeah. Well, Alex, Alex starting I... the the least or the less successful organization, Mac Mom's Against <laughs> Carnage. <laughs> Or or pack podcast against carnage. I really, but then there's if you upgrade during the super pack, and that's a whole issue. <laughs> there, we haven't thought of that whole, acronym yet. There's a whole series of ads where it's like, "Hey, I'm a Mac, and you're too PC." <laughs> now listen, <laughs> pro carnage, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, that's the twist that I want. In Venom, let there be carnage. I want the second half of the movie to entirely be Senate hearings as to whether or not Venom and Carnage should be allowed to live on Earth. <laughs> I thought you were going to say should be allowed to lobby Congress. Even better. Let's do that. And there's some kind of pun on like, oh, filibuster, huh? I say let's filibuster up this whole Senate room. <laughs> now, I, I do wonder how in this film are they going to possibly one up the classic film line i'm sorry about venom i'm really sorry about venom maybe you're supposed to say that <laughs> i'm sorry about carnage i'm sorry about carnage doing doing carnage oh be, be, sorry, sorry about all the oh oh dang sorry about all the carnage guys <laughs> yeah um it's gonna be a, a nice redemption arc like spider-man 3 uh we're talking about King Kong from 1933. Yes, we this are. This week. Um, as you can tell, we're going to be just real on track. Mm -hmm. You know, we're ready to go. We uh, we definitely, we are uh, professional film analyzers who, you know, we're, we're, we're consuming this historic, legendary piece of film. And we're definitely not um, getting on our phones at all during the movie or <laughs> looking away, <laughs> being distracted. Um, not me. Could never be me. Nope. Didn't spend it learning about other movies I could watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I pay pretty, pretty Trying to figure out how offensive the movie is. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get the internet to tell me how offensive the movie is, I should say. Repeating lines of dialogue so I'd remember them for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's uh, tell us the thing. <laughs> Yeah, does it have, because this movie, it's from, like, this is the oldest movie we've done on the podcast. This is, like, this predates Tomatoes, right? As a crop? Yes. Yes, it certainly so. does. But wow. we have we have a lot of reviews to go by. <laughs> sure. Um, because it is a classic. It's not like A View to a Kill, where everyone just forgot it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> so, King Kong from 1933, directed by... Uh, Marion C. Cooper and Ernst B. Uh, Schoedsack 
It has a 98% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 86% audience score. All right, Shodzak, you did them. Um, <laughs> you really made it happen. Uh, so, so just to reiterate, we have recently been going through all of the modern, particularly American versions of Godzilla and King Kong, uh, starting with the uh, Roland Emmerich Godzilla and kind of moving into the modern cinematic universe. Um, last week we did uh, Godzilla versus Kong, and now we are going back to where it started with the original uh, King Kong and the original Godzilla. That's that's where we're at right now. So. Yeah. Yeah, next week will be our first uh, international subtitled film for the podcast, so that'll be fun. That way we can officially put in the description that we're cultured. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's not from our oh. backyard, so we're smart. I'll add that to the blurb at the beginning. <laughs> um, shall I start with best and worst, or somebody else just, just hankering to go? Go, go for it. T- you volunteer. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for me, uh, my best and worst both involve the word dated. Um, my my best thing about this movie is that I was watching an adventure movie from 1933, and like I, I watch old movies. I don't. I, this might be the oldest movie I've ever seen. Maybe I don't know. Depends on when Nosferatu was made, but um, I. I had a really great time just seeing how they did a movie like this and the effects. Occasionally you can kind of laugh at them because they're, they're mm. a little hokey, but ultimately, I mean, the, I, I thought the actual creature effects looked really good. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting the stop motion to be as smooth as it was. Um, I it's still herky jerky because that's just what it was. But like this predates Ray Harryhausen and all that stuff, and I thought it looked really, really great. There's some close-ups of Kong's face that are a little, a little yep. weird, but okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but I, I thought that all looked really good, and even when you had these very clear, like, oh, they're on like a moving sidewalk in front of a panel that's depicting <laughs> everything else, it was still kind of like. I don't know. It's like appreciating older technology. It's like, oh, that's so cool that that's how you had to be innovative in a different way in 1933 than you do now when you can just like slap everything in a computer. Yep. Not that digital effects aren't beautiful and can't be incredibly innovative, but it's just it, it requires a different approach. And it was really cool seeing that um, and just kind of seeing how, you know, a I feel like I've seen more movies about this era in Hollywood than I have from this era of Hollywood. So it was, it was cool Mm -hmm. getting to see that for me. Um, And the worst thing is just socially and culturally, it's, it's obviously got a lot of problems involving race and a lot of problems involving gender politics. Um, Maybe my favorite example of this and maybe my favorite line in the movie is, uh, Bruce Cabot, who's our Jack Driscoll, our main character, is a complete jerk. He's a total just he's he's like Clark Gable in Mogambo. There's nothing likable about this guy, and he just bullies um Fay Ray all the time. So naturally they're in love. And he at one point sheepishly confesses his love to her by being like, Yeah, you're terrible, and well, I guess I love you, and all that kind of stuff. And then Fay Ray literally has the line, but Jack, you hate women. And he goes, yeah, I know. (laughs) And I thought it was so great. And then he says something like, but other women 
Well, you're just, you're so different from them. And I was like, are we seriously doing this? Did you just, you're not like other girls? This is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, because you're you're so used to watching things like this that would be making fun of the attitude at the time. Right, or, right. Or something, and it's kind of like, is this just, is that just how the screenwriters felt? Yeah. You know, they were going to portray this? It's like, I've seen, you know, sketch <laughs> comedy uh, parodies of stuff like this. And then you go, oh, this is, but this is actually like what they were doing. It was, yeah. it was wild. Um, and I'm sure I just sound very, very millennial right now. But uh, that that is just one example that we, we will, I'm sure, get into how the the indigenous people of Skull Island are treated. Um, it made me deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so there's it's just all that kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting because I feel like I'm praising the movie for just being made when it was made. It's like you use the effects of the time, but I still really enjoyed that. Um, and similarly, I am criticizing a movie for handling things the way that movies handled them at the time. But I think one, you can the effect you can look at as like a cool artifact of another time. And the other you look at as like, oh boy, <laughs> this is <laughs> we got a long way to go. Ah, man. So it was a, it was it was a I found it a very unique experience watching this movie in a good way, but definitely with some some drawbacks. So those are mine. Uh, I can go next. Uh, I'm I'm gonna piggyback off of you, Britton. My best thing is going to be the special effects, particularly just the use of rear screen projection. Mm-hmm. There's something about that versus just actors standing next to a green screen mm-hmm. and yeah. digital artists fill it in later. There's something about it that even if when I can tell, like the the scene where they're kind of shooting at the dinosaur, I'm like, and they're kind of walking through some of the trees and stuff that they've got on the set. I'm like, oh, they're walking towards the screen. Like, I can tell it's a screen. There's still something about it that's that's more effective to me. Mm-hmm. And, like, even up into the 80s, and, like, they use rear screen projection in Aliens and, and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, now they've developed for the Mandalorian kind of the the mm-hmm. this new technology of, like, a, a kind of screen that surrounds the set. Mm. And it looks like they're actually on a desert planet or wherever, wherever the location might be. So I... I I don't know. I, I like that they're actually the actors are seeing what yeah. the special effect is. I think there's just something unique to that that helps enhance the experience that even if it's not the best effect, the fact that the actors are seeing it like, I don't know, it makes me believe it and buy into it a lot more. Definitely. Um, yeah, to your point, there are, there are some silly moments. There's a bit where they're just kind of walking it's just kind of panning left to right and they're just like on a little escalator it seems or something <laughs> and it, it just looks goofy they're they're the way they're walking doesn't match like the camera movement yeah. um which yeah it, it is very dated but i i respect how like so many of the effects do still hold up yeah in a way like particularly whenever a kong does something and of course it's a it's a model and stop motion that's interacting with something but then they'll have like an actual in-camera effect that follows it like i remember towards the end when he breaks through the gate and he starts attacking uh the crew and and the natives he grabs like one of the huts and he throws it and so it disappears out off the screen and then a prop hut lands right in front of the camera and Mm -hmm. that's really neat that's that's Mm -hmm. the really cool stuff and i I really like that quite a bit yeah and that was the the reverse of that you would have 
people throwing spears at Kong. Yeah. And so you would see they would throw a spear, but then an effect spear would hit the model. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All that like, stuff I thought lined up really nicely. The timing for all that still yeah. works very, very well. Um, which actually makes the stuff where it doesn't quite work. It it kind of stands out more, which is sure. it's weird. Um, but yeah, a lot of the special effects were kind of carrying me through the movie because it was kind of boring in places. And I, I it, it it's cool going backwards the way we're doing this because I appreciate the character work in the Peter Jackson one sure. all the more. <laughs> and that was already one of my favorite things about that movie was just kind of the characters and particularly Carl Denham, um, Jack Black's portrayal of that character. Um, and then this movie is just like the very bare bones, mm-hmm. particularly with that romance, which is just, yeah. just terrible. Um, but yeah, the special effects, it, it's, it's really neat. And even like if, if some of it is still laughable, that's okay. Cause yeah. a lot of it is genuinely cool if nothing else yeah and i think like uh, the fact that it's so clearly an effect that almost has like a meta thing where it's like it it's so clearly an effect it becomes more believable it's like it it loops around like the uncanny like the reverse of the uncanny valley i guess <laughs> where it's yeah. like you are now so pretend that i am willing to buy into you rather than kind of like what I, I guess it's kind of similar to what i talked about the cat's stage show in a way you're like this is so false i can buy into it yeah, I mean, I, it does. It is kind of like a stage play where you know, yeah. on, on on the stage, like things are more abstract, but mm-hmm. you're you're able to just buy it more, um, because everything is on the stage, right. um, versus like feeling like it's being artificially manufactured by some other <laughs> third party. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in terms of worst thing, uh, I, I mean, I I'll, I'll just once again, I'm just gonna kind of piggyback off of you, Britain. I I thought the romance was terrible. Uh absolutely god awful um jack driscoll is just like he makes james bond look like the like most feminist character <laughs> you've ever seen um and Anne darrow ha- there's like nothing to her she's just like the trophy yeah. that that the guys in kong are fighting over for most yeah. of the movie which was disappointing i you know uh just I, I remember some movies that we watched for the podcast were just like the girl is just screaming her head off for most of the movie, like Kim Basinger in the first Burton Batman movie. Um, but this like it took it to a whole new level. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, the Peter Jackson one, it I appreciate that that movie has such reverence for this material and there's a lot of cool references and stuff, but it also isn't afraid to kind of criticize this movie. Because that's that opening scene where um, Anne's on the ship and she's like, wow, I've never been on a ship before. And uh, this is when she first meets uh, Driscoll. And I think he's it, uh, it looks like it's John Driscoll in this versus Jack in the the Peter Jackson movie. I could be wrong about that. That's what the I think that, that sounds says. right. Um, but Driscoll's talking about like, oh, we you should never have a woman on a ship. Or, or, like, he's just, like, chastising her, and, and she's like, oh, you hate all women, don't you? Um, in the Peter Jackson movie, they say those lines, but that is the shooting script for the movie they are making. Yeah. Like, Carl Denham is shooting that scene in the movie with, um... Oh, Kyle Chandler? Yeah, with Kyle Chandler and uh, Naomi Watts. And, like, you completely change the context and you actually make it, like, a meta thing, mm-hmm. which I, I really, really liked. And yeah. then, um, like, the design of the natives and the music gets pulled in for the uh, the big um, Kong uh, show 
um, in New York towards the latter end of that movie. Um, but yeah, this, this movie, like, I don't know, it, in, in many ways, it feels like the precursor to Tyler's, uh, state of the, the special effects movie where like the <laughs> plot is so very bare bones, but it's just got like yeah. a lot of neat ideas and it really is about the special effects. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the vibe I was getting from the whole thing. So yeah, that's my best and worst. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do like the same thing both of y'all have said for my best thing. Um, but I'm going to pretend it's different. Um, and I'm going to say, uh, King Kong in general, cause I did say King Kong as my best thing for the 2005 one. Um, I think this is the same deal in a very different way. It's clear that he's the focus of the film in terms of what, why they made the movie. They wanted to have this big monster movie. Um, and the, specifically the sense of scale that mm. they managed to achieve with him at times it really is a little bit different than cgi like than you yeah. know seeing in, in modern it, there are so many shots of this that would be very easy for a modern blockbuster to do um but because of the way they had to do them you actually end up with it is a little bit of a a little bit more not even realistic but like solid it's yeah. it's more grounded it feels mm-hmm. uh yeah, tangible yeah, tangible. That's that's the word. Um, and really, the one I, the scene I'm thinking of is the scene where he's tossing the uh, guys off the bridge, or not yeah, the bridge, sorry, yeah. the log, um, where a bunch of the crew members from the boat have climbed onto this log, uh, and he's shaking it back and forth, and they have that. They have. I don't even know exactly like how they make all of that work together, but they mm-hmm. have the animation in the the, the stop motion animation in the background of kong shaking this log and then like the guy guys climbing over the log um and the sense of scale like in that particular one was one i was thinking of and and that really struck stuck out to me um just because you do have this real object and they have made it look like this real object is bigger than these little people um and that's really cool. I, I think that that comes across really well um, and still is pretty striking now. Um, and I can imagine seeing that in, you know, a theater in 1933 and being like, what? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and, and just being blown away. Um, so, yeah, and I, I think there's there's several moments like that where they transition well um, and manage to, to really utilize the Kong model um and make you really feel the the impact and the size. Uh, my worst thing is going to be the flip side of and, and the dated special effects, and specifically the ragdoll effects in this film. Oh, I love them! <laughs> Absolutely uh, love them! Wow, uh, they are. <laughs> they have. I mean, uh, and I'm not. I mean, kind of like exactly what you're saying, Britain. You can't really fault the movie for doing what they had to do at the time or what was yeah. available to them at the time. That's just how it was. Um, and it might've even been less, I mean, I assume it would have been less noticeable at the time. Um, no, it, it's still pretty ridiculous though. Uh, sure. specifically, like I was talking about with the Kong log sequence, um, guys keep falling off of it and it's, <laughs> I think their big mistake was not having the floor go on below like mm-hmm. so that it, you're just looking in the ravine you don't see the top or the bottom you just see these bodies falling through that would have been one thing <laughs> but you keep seeing them hit the ground very solidly and just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like sacks of potatoes just like <laughs> smacking into the <laughs> ground 
Um, There's something about that and then also having the, the sound effects of the guys screaming, like yeah. accompanying it. It's just like, I, I feel like Robot Chicken has kind of yeah. ruined a lot of a lot of the, uh, the, the genuine uh, terror or, mm-hmm. or emotional investment you're supposed to feel through this. Yes. Uh, and that goes to the model of Andero that they give Kong to throw around the little it's like a little ragdoll um yeah. it's less that's less noticeable it's it's clearly not human and it, it does not feel as again not realistic but like as tangible as uh kong does because it's a lot less detailed than kong is um and there's a few things like that where he's grabbing guys and doing whatever um <laughs> the biggest one for me that that really just uh killed me was Kong falling down the Empire State Building at the end because it you know the I I had always assumed that I mean I guess I just said I didn't know how that was going to play out in this 1933 effects world um and so you know you've got much like the 2005 movie you've got all the planes flying around and the planes keep flying around and it does go on for a little while um and then eventually they shoot Kong down finally um and he just flops he he hits i think like two levels on the way down he's spinning (laughs) way out of control it's clearly not the same model they've been using to do all the stop motion animation and like the proportion's not quite right it's flipping everywhere and it's just very not dramatic (laughs) it's it's very silly um and then of course they show him at the end and he's on the ground and it's back to using the more practical stuff and it looks good um i guess the ragdolls are also practical but yeah uh several times uh, they they use things like that, and I was like, <laughs> I was not able to maintain my suspension of disbelief <laughs> uh, through those through those effects. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That part is very funny at a point where it shouldn't be. Yes, and I I had some odd like I feel like there were some moments where they transitioned between him reaching towards Fay Ray and then mm-hmm. picking her up and then holding a ragdoll. Where I was like. Okay, the the you holding the the fake ray does not um look good, but the transition from pretend to fake looks okay if that makes any sense. Um and I think a lot of it just came down to like I don't know how you did that, so I'm impressed that you yeah. did it. Like um and I you know, I don't 1933 wasn't the like we don't know what movies are. But still, I mean, they th- these kind of effects were, were rare. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they have kind of these really wide shots where you have like a small little human and it's actually one of the actors like in the corner and it's very clear like the rest of it is supposed to be just like the stop motion model work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like it's very on that level. I was I was super impressed because like the rear screen projection. I'm like, yeah, that's a cer- certainly complicated technology, but I, I kind of get it. Right. But like. All right, literally like the bottom right corner, we're going to put <laughs> the Driscoll actor there and then the rest of it stopped. Like, I, I don't know how they did that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also found it. I found the guy screaming when they held off the log very funny. Um, this is definitely pre Wilhelm scream. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we kind of touched on this in our, our group chat, but that plane scene still goes on for a long time. <laughs> It is very fascinating to me, and I, I'm, I'm on the one hand, I'm sad we didn't get the chance to watch this before the 2005 review, 
um, because I think that would have informed a lot of our thoughts on that. But mm-hmm. it does give us things to talk about here, which is probably good because I'm not sure <laughs> how much meat <laughs> we will be able to pull off this bone uh, just talking about the movie itself. Um, but it really is fascinating how much of that movie is a expansion yeah. of this movie. It's it's just taking scenes and pulling them and stretching them and and filling in more details and gaps. Um, that was fascinating to me. But but it's in a way where I I think this movie does warrant a remake or like it's mm-hmm. it's not one of those cases where like I don't think you should remake the Wizard of Oz. I don't I, I don't think you should remake Star Wars. Like I don't think you should remake the Godfather. I think there's certain movies where the world feels fleshed out enough, the characters feel fleshed out enough, the story is there that it doesn't warrant remaking. I think yeah. this is one of those weird, interesting cases where, no, this is really just an exhibition of special effects more so than it is telling a story with really compelling characters. Um, so I, I I feel weird saying that I'm glad that they actually remade it, and of course we haven't seen the 76 version, and mm-hmm. apparently that one's not not great. Um, <laughs> but like most of the the ways that they expand the story in the Peter Jackson one, I'm actually like I really enjoyed in yeah, hindsight. And I think that the, they expanded in ways that it doesn't seem to be making up new things about the character so much as it goes, well, why is Anne in search of work? Like, how right. does she feel about that? Mm-hmm. Why does she and Jack fall in love? And it still feels a little rushed in the movie, but in the Peter Jackson one, but that, that you can buy. That still works better. And, and I like that in that one, Jack Black's Carl Denham is a failing producer who's trying mm-hmm. to make something work. And this is like a desperate act of desperation. And this and he's like, I make movies in crazy jungles and I found a new way to do that. So we're going to do that. Like there's no difficulty in him getting on the boat and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I'd also say just again about the, the plane sequence. I could understand at the time that being such a new effect. And I'm sure yeah. that in 1933, people were just riveted by it. And then 2005, it just dragged. But also, I feel like in 2005, that scene had slightly more, like, mounting action. Like, Kong got hit a few times, and so then he got a little weaker. Yeah. It felt it felt like it's, it still went on too long, but it felt like it, it developed slightly more than this one, which just kind of felt um, repetitive. I feel like when they were initially trying to write the script for the 2005 one... Um, Peter Jackson sitting in there. It's been like a week since the Oscars and he's got all of the, he's got his 10 or 11, however many he won, like sitting right behind him mm-hmm. and he's watching it with his editors and they're all going to start. He's got his art director and they're going to start uh, storyboarding for the new movie and they're watching the original and they get to the end with the plane sequence and they're like, hmm, this is going a little bit long. Uh, Peter, what, what kind of time, like in terms of budget allocation and everything, what, what do you think we should do? And he's like, I don't think it goes on long enough. Triple it. (laughs) You know what? Quadruple it. We've got the money. (laughs) Yeah. I will say, um, the, the, it was beauty killed. The beast feels a little more thematic in this movie because they open with the proverbs. They're like, okay, I get why you're going to say that later. Um, and the, and the 2005, it just felt like we're doing it. We said it. Do you get it? Well, it it's strange in that way because I, I feel like the 2005 one could have benefited a lot from from kind of maintaining the quote at the beginning and, and yeah. having that because this movie doesn't really build a relationship between right Anne and King Kong. He's more just like, blonde lady, you pretty. Yeah, more <laughs> just like, a monster, yeah. 
yeah, like, I don't know if I was supposed to feel any sympathy for King Kong at the end of the movie. Right. Because I don't feel like I really got to know him as a character like I have in either the Peter Jackson one or even the newer movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was that was very strange that it, it I did notice that in a couple of places where the Peter Jackson one, in some ways, it feels like it's like you said, Britain is kind of like a natural extension of the material. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of an obvious place to go. Um, but then other places it kind of pulls back and does, it's not even something different. It just kind of pulls back in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Cause on the positive end, I'm thinking of having Denim's obsession with making the movie be a through line while they're actually traveling across the Island to go find Anne. Yeah. That gets just kind of dropped and Denim just picks up a gun and he's like, I'm traveling with, with them to go right. rescue her. And that just seemed a lot less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And particularly when you have it, the the premise is they are going to film a movie and he's like convinced everyone to go on this crazy voyage. It seems weird yeah, in hindsight to not go that way. Like that seems like a very natural direction to take his character, which like I said, I'm glad the 2005 one kind of... Um, ended up going there but then i complained with the 2005 one that once they start shooting and and kind of show up after ann's been taken by kong the natives just disappear right i was actually kind of surprised that they showed back up in this when uh kong starts breaking Mm -hmm. through the gate and i you know we can we can get into the natives and and it's definitely dated um, but I, I appreciated that they didn't just like completely disappear from the movie. They actually yeah. played a part in that scene. Um, and I kind of want, I want the alternate version of, of the Peter Jackson one where that scene where they're trying to chloroform Kong, like the natives show up in that mm-hmm. scene. I just yeah. feel like that would be, that would be more interesting. I also, I thought it was interesting that they show up and, actually talk to the natives and like the skipper yeah. of the crew uh recognizes their language to some extent yeah i don't know if that is at all a real language and i'm gonna be optimistic and hope it is but uh <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i probably shouldn't be um but the, he he says like oh that you know this language sounds a lot like this these islanders in africa that i know um yeah. and i and i'm able to speak them because i'm like a cultured guy and i i, act, I can actually like attempt a, a conversation that is civil with these natives and they have a real like interaction and then also, they leave people have heard of skull island like apparently people yeah. have been here before like not not <clears throat> very many people but yeah. they, they have, oh yeah it's not the, the map didn't just show up out of nowhere like in the peter jackson mm-hmm. one which was surprising because i think we said in that episode that that felt like a very <laughs> like old movie thing to just be like here's the premise here's the right, map right <laughs> um oh no there's a great exchange one of my the first times I laughed during the movie is on the boat. Carl Denham goes, "Have you ever heard of Kong?" <laughs> and then the skipper says, "Why, yes." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, cool, we're doing this. This is great. All right, I'm in." So we don't need to explain him to the audience. Exactly. Now, um, but yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. Though they have that interaction, it's a peaceful interaction, and then yeah. they leave. And then later the natives attack and they, they capture Andero. Um, as opposed to in the 2005 one where they just show up, they get massacred and yeah. they run back to the ship and, and try and escape. And then that's when Andero gets captured. Like that's more humanizing. Um, 
for the 1933 one and i thought that was odd it's an odd thing how because i i I agree and then what's what's so i think dated and problematic is how they're just black people dressed like the stereotypical savages Mm. and the way their hair is i'll say styled to be generous um that they have them doing this ritual for kong wherein some of the black people are actually dressed as apes which is obviously a horrible racist trope like it's more just how dehumanizing it is in like every other way. Yeah. And that <clears throat> obviously a bunch of white people get killed by falling off a log, but black people are like literally stepped on in this movie and we watch them get stepped on. And it's not, I was surprised when we got to, to the scene where Kong's breaking through the gate and he, yeah, like there's a lot of violence in there that yeah. I was not expecting in this movie. Right. And it's not like blood and guts are flying everywhere, but there's still a a sense of like oh we're watching characters get killed and all of those yeah. people are black um which is obviously not 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 great <clears throat> and it, i i think the i think skull island has handled its indigenous characters the best out of all of these mm-hmm. movies yeah. um but uh but well that's yeah I, I i think the peter jackson one that's in a way like probably more effective how the natives are handled than it is in this but at the same time like i feel like that's so much more work so much you know worse Mm -hmm. um just because of uh they're like monsters they're like right they're they're not people in a society they're just these like they they are the primordial beings from uh bone tomahawk basically Sure. sure um or like they're the they're the i've been playing shadow of the tomb raider and it's like they're the the shadowy underground species of of not quite humans. Yeah. Um, spoilers, I guess, for Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, you <laughs> fight some crazy people. Uh, it's a great game. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, I hadn't thought about that that element of like the weird way it's like without the 2005 movie, this movie's more problem. Like in some ways, the mm-hmm. 2005 like makes this slightly better in that sense, in some regards. Yeah odd um, especially because like to tyler's point they're nothing but confrontational in the the 2005 one but then like in this not only are they actually having a conversation with 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 our our uh main american cast but also yeah. when they when kong is like about to attack them at the gate the natives are actually helping them try and yeah. block the gate and keep kong from getting in which i feel like if um I don't want to say lesser filmmakers, but I feel like if you went a more obvious route, that would turn into an action scene of like, oh, the natives are attacking them. They see this as their their chance to seize back power. And, uh, oh, mm-hmm. we're getting attacked from the natives on one side and then Kong on the other. And I I, I don't know. This 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 felt just like a smarter way to go overall uh, design of, of the costumes and all that, notwithstanding. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> um, I also enjoyed... Uh, so I, I did not realize that the T-Rex fight was not original to Peter Jackson. I thought Peter Jackson was just like, I'm going to have him fight a dinosaur. I didn't realize that. I mean, he does add two more dinosaurs Correct. to that fight. I, I thought it was funny that it was like watching that scene in the 1933 one and then realizing, oh, Peter Jackson didn't just say, hey, what if there were two? It's like, yeah. what if there were three? Yeah. <laughs> all and all that, the action scenes are, are basically taken from yeah. this movie. Like even the bug pit. Apparently that's deleted from this movie. Oh, Apparently was it they not? did make something for it. It's not just 
a bunch of dummies yeah. <laughs> hit the ground mm-hmm. after being huh. knocked off the log. Well, yeah, like they have, they find the Stegosaurus, which has a great line where Denim goes, "It's something from the dinosaur family." <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't expect you to call it a Stegosaurus, but I figured it was a dinosaur era or something. But no, the dinosaur family. <laughs> um, and uh, that that obviously echoes the big stampede in the or the 2005 scene echoes that. Um, there's like a Plesiosaurus that they fight at one point, <laughs> which is which is pretty wild. And and Kong kills the T Rex in this in the same way. Like he he breaks the jaw. Well, this one I guess he breaks his neck and then he kind of plays with the jaw. He doesn't. Yes, pull I got so off. excited when I saw that because, yeah. like I said, it just kind of fueled, you know, Peter Jackson. It, it's it's so nice to see a remake that you know while it does take the necessary steps to enhance the story and kind of justify its existence. It also shows a lot of reverence for the original material, and yeah. I don't know. I I really appreciated that, and you know, coming across those little details by going backwards was was really really neat. Yeah, and and I thought it was interesting how when after he snaps the T Rex's neck, the T Rex is bleeding from the sides of his mouth. Yeah, for whatever reason, um, I I found it interesting how because in this one the Kong show is literally just like a display. They're displaying yep. King Kong. And then Anne and Jack are going to come out and speak like it's it's just a presentation. And I I liked that in this one, people didn't know they didn't think it was real. So you have the audience just watching like, OK, I did think it was a little weird that everyone seems to know who Carl Denham is. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I isn't he that guy that makes the moving pictures? Yeah. I do I, I do have a soft spot for that old style movie pattern where they're like, hey, say, Carl, how about a picture? Oh, how, tell you what, boys, how about I do my show and then we'll get a few snaps and one with a girl. Big smile. Oh, that sounds right. great. All right. We'll see you later, pal. OK, you too. Sure. So is your old man, etc. <laughs> um, <laughs> bubble gum is a candy. What? <laughs> I... I love how they they changed Dr- Jack Driscoll. In the, oh man, from the Peter Jackson. Yeah, he is such a, a, a jerk in this Cause, movie. Because that does raise questions for this movie that you wouldn't have unless you had that. Like when you you're watching this movie and and Carl Denham's just like, "I'm making a movie." It's like, well, who wrote the script? What uh, do you yeah. have the story? Like, are you just making it up as you go? Because um, it sounds like he's almost a documentary filmmaker. Yeah. he just takes footage of animals and stuff. Like he's making yeah. Milo and Otis. <laughs> yeah, and, and well, even that they enhance in the Peter Jackson one because it's just like he likes shooting a lot of just interesting raw footage of just like various locations and stuff alongside yeah. making the movies. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's that line where all the the executives are like, "I will sell it." Well, sell all the footage. Just call it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And um, and in this one, Denim doesn't even pretend to care about people dying. He's like, "Yeah, we'll make a movie, and you'll all get money." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just because I I had no idea that Driscoll was just like the gun-toting, dumb, I hate women kind yeah. of quote unquote action star. Right. Um. I I thought it was really interesting in in the the uh Peter Jackson one that. They subverted what I would expect, which ended up being what did happen um, by having like, oh, we've got this scrawny guy. He's kind of a nerdy, quirky guy with Adrian Brody, and he's he's a screenwriter. He's not like the first mate on the ship or anything. Um, 
yeah, I like how all that's handled. And then yeah. going back to this and be like, oh, oh, they they didn't do just what I thought they would. They they went so much further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that, that when they said the thing about like, I, we shouldn't have a woman on a ship and everything, it's an old and, and of course, sexist superstition in sailor movies and pirate movies like oh women are bad luck on ships i'm sure they do that in pirates of the caribbean which the movie then swiftly disproves yes um but like i i assume Does it, though a lot of people die in those movies <laughs> you're right <laughs> fair point <laughs> but also zoe saldana's there in the first one so yeah sure why not <laughs> um but yeah, i i think that when I was watching, I was like, oh, that's going to be, there's going to be some line about it's bad luck. Sailors say it's not. No, he's just straight up like, I don't think you should have women on boats. It's bad. Yeah. And I don't like them. And they're stupid. And, there, and there's not even like any sort of rationale or like no, they try and build like, up some sort women of are ideology with him. He's just like, women are bad. And nope. I I love the scene where him and Denim, it feels like they, they are going in circles for like 20 minutes. Where, where he's like, I hate women. I hate all of them. They're, they're nothing but trouble. And, and Carl Denham's like, but you like Anne, right? <laughs> That's preposterous. I hate women. I'm a woman hater. That's what I am. It says so on my business card. And Denham's like, but you like Anne. And like, it kept going. It felt like an eternity. I felt like I was in a time loop. <laughs> you like Andero, don't you, Squidward? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, it, it yeah, you I, I expected Din, uh, uh, Driscoll to be like more like fallopian tubes. They're just all bad. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, getting bra marks on everything. <laughs> it's just it's so crazy. I uh that that does lead me to one thing that I will say. I see now how one of my complaints about the 2005 movie happened, but I still have that complaint. Um, <clears throat> because I mentioned when we were talking about that, that it feels like the movie really just stops and, and restarts, um, once they leave the island and then get back to New York yeah, uh, and have the showing going on because in that movie, everything is so granular and detailed and everything is so, um, explicitly laid out that it's it feels very odd to jump so far ahead and miss all that groundwork in terms of like well how did they get him back how did you know what right. how did they set up the show what did, what happened when Carl Denham got back and uh you know told the executives what happened what he did with their money or whatever yeah. um <clears throat> and also Jack and Anne kind of drift apart during that because it's implied that Anne is mad at him for participating in Kong getting captured maybe um, or she just wants to distance herself from the whole event it, entirely. Yeah. And there's not really any sort of ex exploration of that. We just jump and she's not there. They've replaced her in the show. Uh, Jack Driscoll is not involved. He's doing his own play that he was supposed to do for her because apparently she doesn't want to do that play for him. Uh, we just do it. We cover a lot of character work without actually seeing it. And we don't know exactly what happened. Um, and this movie very deliberately has a scene or has the, the transition from we're all going to be rich. I found the eighth wonder of the world um, into the show. And it works in this movie because the movie is relatively fast paced. And yeah. uh, you know, we, we didn't spend uh, 
like an hour on the boat. <laughs> it, it felt right. like, in the, or, or on land or on the boat before we got to Skull Island. We didn't spend so much time focusing on these characters' lives that it's not a big deal when we go ahead and jump. And then we're like, this movie's already fantastical. We can just, you know, assume they got him back somehow. It's not, it's not a big deal. Um, and then it, of course, they don't have to explain why, you know, Anne and Jack aren't involved because they're still involved. <laughs> you know, they're still there. There's no, there's no trick. There's no replacement. Um, so yeah, I feel like I understand how that happened, but also I think the 2005 movie should have explored that more. It feels like that was a case of Peter Jackson and crew being like, oh, well, we, you know, we want to have the, the, uh, authenticity to the to the original and kind of do the same thing and, and hit the same beats um but i just don't think it works when they're telling the story that way mm-hmm. yeah um so that that was very interesting to see that and be like okay i see how they came up with that and why they chose that but i also yeah. think they didn't have to you know stick to that original structure so heavily yeah well it's interesting because this one has little enough information for that to work exactly. <laughs> because it's like we're just and now they've it just feels like they're being really efficient <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're just jumping right ahead to the next important thing you don't need to know about the other stuff and like you said they don't bother to set up like any problems they then have it doesn't feel like anything isn't explained as much as like well we didn't watch them do the things we know they did right. whereas in the 2005 it actually raises more questions because they they include more which means they need to provide more context so, something tells me that they just really latched onto the hard cut of Denim saying Kong, the eighth wonder of exactly. the world, too. Sure. We're, we're on Broadway or wherever it is in yeah. New York, and we've got the big sign that says Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. Man, I, see, I think they just kind of latched onto that and just kind of ignored everything yeah. else. Yeah. And seeing that shot of Times Square with the big Pepsi Dent ad, oh, yeah. that was so good. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't even know what Pepsi Dent is, but I bet it foams. I he bet it's got some, the... some lather. He attacks an elevated train. It's pretty good. <laughs> he's, he's, the, he's Godzilla's other friend after Anguirus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a toothpaste. Huh. With a, with a minty flavor derived from sassafras, which I'm just now learning is a real thing. <laughs> and not just something Sylvester the Cat struggled with saying. Sure. Um. how far we've come <laughs> there uh I there I, is I, I just just one one quick observation i didn't realize that the kong design for this was really the inspiration for the modern kong design because mm-hmm. for the peter jackson one it seems like they're going much more for a a more realistic gorilla yeah look mm-hmm. whereas with with uh skull island and uh godzilla vs kong it's very much hearkening back to this yeah. specific design which yeah neat you're more straight back. It's more of a gorilla monster. Yeah. Yeah. Almost more humanoid in its movement. I, right. I, I couldn't help but notice that there was no ice skating in this film. That's true. What a crime. What a crime. <laughs> like this movie, like it was it it was hitting like the ninety minute mark. And I was like, guys, I we can make this go for another hour and a half. You could probably <laughs> watch the Rankin Bass, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with the bomble. I bet you'd get essentially the the the, yeah. con- the 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 same idea. You essentially get what you're missing here. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I feel like there were times when Kong was a guy in a suit. Really? Because I, I feel I got like the vibe that it was always stop motion. Yeah, and here's like, how can you tell 
when it's a real ape, you know, when it's a real uh, uh, stop motion and when it's a guy in a suit. Because I feel like some of the close-ups, the way he seemed to move seemed kind of like they just put a mask on a guy and had him go. Oh, there could have been yeah. a few that are. I don't We're going to have to watch this again. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, because, yeah. I mean, it, it probably was that or it's some kind of um, like remote control or, or some kind of puppetry right, right. involved with, with the close-ups. Yeah, I agree. Like yeah. it, when when you see like the full body and he's moving around, it is it is stop motion. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, but it I seemed like there were some of those effects. I was like, and mostly with his head. Like, I don't feel like it was ever his hand, but actually, well, I think part of the problem for me with those close-ups is that Kong looks like he's smiling. It's just yeah. the way that they've kind of designed him where his just like the way his jaw is structured. It looks yeah. like he's smiling. Yeah. Um, and it's like, can you at least adjust his eyebrows at all? Or give me something. <laughs> Why so serious, Anne? Little known, little known fact. They actually did throw a man in the Kong suit off of a mini scale Empire State Building. <laughs> I think that's that's also another silly element is that he hits he hits the, the building a couple yes. of times on his way down. It's not just like a graceful like last yeah. fall. It it wouldn't really look good if it was just he falls straight down. It still wouldn't really work sure, like sure. tonally. But the fact that No, it would also... look silly. You know, because because like it, with modern day movies, like if you have something fall from a great height, you slow you slow it down. You have it in slow motion because otherwise yeah. it just and you can shoot silly. it from above. So you're you're watching him fall or yeah, you do something fall. graceful where like you, you, you change the angle so that you see, you know, you're able to look around from a different angle and, and yeah. feel that momentum without it. And what with the camera following the thing that's falling. Right. Um, sure. Instead of having it fall through the camera. But yeah, it's still. Uh, there, it could have been better considered. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, I did appreciate. Who, who is the one that comes up with the idea to send in airplanes? Is it Driscoll? I, I, I oh, really liked how Denim, they had that actually. scene. What? It might be Denim. Yeah, it's it's one of them. But I do like the scene where it's it's them sitting with like in in the police station or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. listening to the radio, and it's like Kong is now climbing up the Empire State Building. And they're like, what are we going to do? And then one of them is just like, we haven't thought of one thing. Airplanes. <laughs> Shoot him. What? <laughs> Orville like... and Wilbur's contraptions? Those will never work. It's all hooey. <laughs> I'll I don't take know. my it... giant wheeled bicycle. Thank you. <laughs> that it seems pretty like good. they were finding kind of ridiculous ways to get Denim and Driscoll involved. Like yeah. once Kong breaks out. And I, I, I feel like the, the Peter Jackson movie just didn't do that. Yeah. Like <laughs> my at the favorite. End, Okay. My favorite kaiju fighting mech is uh, extremely large uh, front wheel bicycle, like old timey front <laughs> wheel bicycle. I think that would be. <laughs> that's what Mechagodzilla was missing. <laughs> that, no, that's why King Kong's upset. He's missing his big tricycle. We didn't see that on Skull Island, <laughs> but it was there. The uh, well, when when he's fallen, he's laying on the ground. There's all these this crowd of people trying to get around, and they're like policemen, like, "No, stand back, folks! Don't get too near!" And then Carl Denham shows up, and somebody goes, "Hey, that's Carl Denham. He's the one that captured the beast." And you see a police officer just make this face, like, "Well, I guess that's good enough." And then they just <laughs> let him walk. In. That's crazy. That would be, I don't know, like if, like if I don't know, during some horrible tragedy, someone was like, "I gotta get through." Wait, that's Christopher Nolan. He makes pictures. Let him through. Come on, gang. Well, it, it's 
the way they call it out in this version is weird. Like the fact that like it's Carl Denham. He it, like he's responsible. I feel like the, the man who can climb like, anything. <laughs> All right, sir, you're under arrest. You just caused how many millions in property and damage? The, yeah, exactly. And, and then the police are there, and he's like, "Twas beauty killed the beast." And they're like, "What?" Like, <laughs> why is that going to mean anything to the police? Like, they didn't watch the film. <laughs> they were just there like, I do want the sequel to this. That is like the courtroom drama of J- of uh, Carl Denham, like having to like pay off his debts and deal with the fact that this whole thing like destroyed half of New York. It didn't actually. But what, you know what I mean? What movie director would you most want to be on the scene if there was a disaster? <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say what movie director would you want to direct that movie? And mm. I was going to say Scorsese, thinking of The yeah. Aviator. Um, yeah. Scorsese would also be pretty fun. Sure. A, does, <laughs> if a giant ape fell from the sky. Um, <laughs> you, just, you could just see him like, <clears throat> hey, hey, here I am, here I am. He's, he's like just looking at it and he's like, hmm, this is the closest I've ever been to being in a theme park. <laughs> <laughs> Well, except for when my daughter tricked me into seeing Venom. <laughs> um, but uh, David no, but, David Lynch he, would uh, would revive Kong. Change my mind. <laughs> like, oh wow! I was gonna say Scorsese walks up and takes a look and goes, "Eh, call me when a rocket hits the moon in an eye." Wait a minute, there's that there raises more questions. But yeah, David Lynch would be like, "Well, it's a good thing I've got these smelling salts," <laughs> and he just has like a huge pack. Once oh, back in good. 1971, I passed out for a week, and when I woke up, I knew the exact biology of gorillas. <laughs> God, what has Jack done? <laughs> it's Benny. He would drink a huge cup of like, coffee. Well, I guess Kong just forgot. There's nowhere to go after you climb up the Empire State Building. <laughs> Spielberg. Spielberg keeps trying to like walk around Kong to get the right angle where he's against the sun. He's trying to like wait, wait. Hang on. All right. All right, boys. Let's pull out the list. Who else we got in terms of our directors? Let's go through them all. What's John Glenn's response? <laughs> well, he's an astronaut, so. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, Kelly Reichardt does something smart and subtle and cool with it. I don't know. <laughs> She's like, well, we should probably get rid of the giant ape that's uh, making everything terrible. How efficient and poetic of you, Kelly. Well done. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Who do we think gave the best performance in the movie? This is kind of a, a skewed, kind of grading on a curve here. It might, For me, it might be Faye Ray. I would agree, actually. That, that was going to be my first response, is that she actually acts. Yeah, like <laughs> it's a scream think. queen role, but like she does a really good job with them with it. I I really like that scene where he's he Carl Denham is directing her through screaming yes. at some large looming monster. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I think yeah. she does a good job with it. And and there's a sense of uh, that was I think the first time in the movie where somebody did something that was like, oh, they could act back then. <laughs> they could. <laughs> well, I I was kind of wondering if the script was going to end up being more fleshed out than, than it ended up being. Um, Cause there's, you know, he, he's directing her with the camera test and, and he's like, all right, you're looking up, you're move, moving, you're, you're looking up, you're sur- surprised. You don't know what you're looking at. And now it's, it's horror. You can't escape. Scream, scream. And I was like, is, so that's supposed to be foreshadowing for when she's tied up and she 
first comes into contact with Kong. I was like, oh, is this movie like, are we doing like cool, fun, clever things with, with like dialogue and setup and payoff? And then the rest of the movie's just whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Cause right after that, one of the one, it may be Driscoll. I don't know. One of the guys on the boat is grabs another guy on the boat. I think maybe the skipper and he's like, what do you, what do you suppose he's expecting to us to find there or whatever? What do you suppose he's imagining her looking at? Um, so yeah, there, there seems to be an implication that he at least knows that there's big monsters on Skull Island. Uh, I don't know if there's anything more to it than that. He knows about Kong <laughs> and Terminators. Yeah, I think he, he knows there's Kong and I think he knows about the, he knows about the wall, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Because there's somebody he knows about the the gate and the ritual and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was weird. I I'm inter- I'm interested to see how because Godzilla is 21 years younger than this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of how that. And obviously, it's got a different goal. Um, but I'll be interested to see kind of how that one stands up they have nothing more to add about about this one and i also have no idea what to grade it i i i'll throw out this question so if you've got someone who's never seen a king kong or king kong related movie what do you tell them to watch this i would still start with this you you would still start with i would because i I mean it it would depend on the person like if, if if the goal was i want to get to know this character king kong i would say start with this because if anything, maybe you'll love it. I don't know. Whatever, however you feel about it, I think it'll help give you more appreciation for the 2005 and and for Skull Island. Skull Island is such a different entity. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. If you're just talking about like, oh, I want to watch a fun movie that's got the name Kong in it, then I would say Skull Island. It's the it's shorter than the three hour one, and it's just fun. It's just easy. Yeah. But I would actually start with this one because it is very much like a primer for the 2005 one. <laughs> Yeah. It's like the tutorial uh level. <laughs> my my only other offering uh as an answer would actually might might be Kong versus Godzilla. Mm. Um because that one is so Kong focused and yeah. I kind of feel like it uh is the most I mean Skull Island I liked quite a bit but also Skull Island definitely I mean especially cuz he's supposed to be a younger version of Kong and all that i i definitely feel like there's a a sense of okay we have to go from here to get to like this is all set up basically it, sure. it works very well as its own movie um but i just don't know that if someone was like hey you know what i don't know anything about kong what do i do what would i watch to get into it i'd be like you know i don't i don't particularly love <laughs> the character or like the like i i mean skull island's the only one of these that i really really enjoyed mm-hmm. um and so in terms of just movie that i like the most i'd probably say that but i would say if you're looking for you know i i want king kong doing big king kong things and i want it to be fun and and huge and like very high concept then i feel like kong versus godzilla is more of like yep that's probably about as far as we can take the character uh and and as much as we can do with them i think my answer would be the peter jackson one sure (laughs) Because I feel like that's kind of like, it's three hours, it's a lot to take in, but once you take that in, I don't know.
don't know. You've almost got the full package. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I feel like, too, I mean, the, the, the Kong Skull Island and the Monsterverse Kong is based much more on the Toho version of the character. So he's he is there supposed to be a kaiju. So he's a slightly different perception of of him than in this and the Peter Jackson and presumably the 76. Um but uh yeah, I don't know. I I I did want to ask because I I with the Toho interpretation of King Kong cuz I I don't know if we're going to end up doing Kong versus Godzilla. We're we're still kind of figuring that out so if you're watching this uh even like two or three weeks after this is released you'll know um (laughs) but do we know what the story is in that is it just like a brand new interpretation of king kong it has this like some version of this story happened with skull island and 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 arrow and i don't know i i do not know I think I've seen it, but I don't remember it, so I couldn't tell you. Um, oh, I just had something. Kong. I think Kong is responsible. For, he he is responsible for two of our big action moments that we love: propeller flail and T Rex fight in mm-hmm. the O five. Does he have the most out of any individual character? I think there's an argument to be made that he has. I don't know if there's a specific moment that really stands out from Kong versus Godzilla. Um, sure, but just overall. But I think they're, I mean, just like using a using a big old nuclear axe. like. Yeah. I was just going to say taking out Mechagodzilla yeah. and that. Yeah. I, and that frankly, might... punching Godzilla in the face is really good. Uh, a, a little bit. Just the shot yeah, of him like... slugging him in the face is pretty great. The only b- character I can think of that, that might start to come close is like Thor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. between... Wakanda arrival and then you know I'm not the biggest fan of Ragnarok but him showing up on the rainbow bridge with Led Zeppelin playing and taking everyone out I don't know yeah and flip Toby McGuire's Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> that dance sequence is active I don't know that it's action <laughs> I haven't seen the film Oh, what, you're telling say, me that the, the moment where he was asking uh, J. Jonah Jameson for a raise, that wasn't like a super hype, like hold your what, fist up in the air moment? What's yeah. the montage? In, what's the What song is that montage in Spider-Man 2 set to? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about when he loses his powers? Raindrops keep falling on my y- head. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'd say that's up there. I thought you were going to say the other one, and then I was going to go on a rant about Jet because they're forgotten, and I like that band, but whatever. It's fine. Sure. 20 years from now, Alex will be quizzing college students on that band in a bar. Yeah. Who who does the song for the, the montage in, in Spider-Man 2? And everyone's going to be thinking of the after he loses his powers, not the I'm going to go see Mary Jane's play. <laughs> Bolt. Hot, oh, I, got, I, I got one for you. You say to take. the sophomore. Hot take. I don't. I don't think college kids twenty years from now will be thinking about Spider Man Two. <laughs> I don't know that college kids from twenty years from now will be thinking about movies. They'll all be on their hollow discs and downloading me. Yeah, you download me a burger or whatever. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so, through their uh, their their muskograms. <laughs> um, Alex, what did I give uh, two thousand five King Kong? Let us see. Um, two thousand five King Kong, you gave it a B plus. I think I'm gonna give this one a flat B. It's a B movie. Maybe a lot of it is just appreciating the old ways. You know, much like our ancestors uh, used naturopathy to totally not steal money from people. I believe that we can learn a lot from our elders in filmmaking. Black Sav like, is fake medicine. Go on. Like um, famous filmmaker King Kong. Like famous filmmaker King Kong, director of My Dog Skip and uh, King Kong and King Kong. How? Uh, my instinct is is to go pretty harsh. Uh, I don't think it's aged particularly well. I think I'm gonna go C minus. Um, I and I'm I know that like there's a lot of people who would say. Well, it's a classic and like and that is none of that is me not appreciating what it was at the time. Sure. Um, But I do think. There is a point where the craft has evolved a lot um, and many, many facets of the craft are now much better than they were in 1933. (laughs) Um, Maybe not all of them. Maybe, Maybe not everything has improved that much. But overall, I think. The movie's aged quite a bit. I don't think it's like a super enjoyable thing to watch um, other than as like a curiosity and to see the neat things that they did think of and the things that were good. Um, So yeah. uh, Classic cinema sucks is what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, it was... I think curiosity is a good word because I was interested to see it as like... I know how much this movie means to contemporary filmmakers who mean a lot to me like peter jackson and Guillermo del toro specifically Mm -hmm. i'm like well i know these guys love this movie so i know that i have this movie to thank for the people who've made lord of the rings pacific rim and stuff so like i appreciate it in that sense as well but yeah i i I do know what you mean um i'll be slightly nicer to the movie i'm giving it a c Mm -hmm. um yeah i i pretty much agree with everything you guys said uh it was a novelty to me in terms of the special effects and seeing kind of where we were at that point in time but the character work and the overall kind of just i don't know a lot of the story elements just kind of fall very very flat for me and really made me appreciate how they actively tried to enhance those with the peter jackson version and you know that movie is way too long for its own good but i respect the attempt to go more ambitious and, and actually try yeah. and do stuff with the characters versus this, which Jack, you hate women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know there's <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I don't say this in the way that the internet has now come to use this phrase, but cringy is, I think the word for a lot of elements of this movie, <laughs> uh, socially speaking. Um, I do have a, a recommendation this week. I did watch a movie, and this is a real A+. I loved this. It might be... It's easily one of my favorite things I've watched in the past few weeks, maybe my favorite. 
Um, it is a thing you can watch on Hulu, and it is called Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. This movie, I say the word movie, it's a composite of a stage show that Derek Delgadio performed in New York like 552 times, I think. And it's a, f- it's a film performance of that with showing th- elements from various nights. It's also kind of a documentary, and it's kind of like a lyric poem, and it's just like a thing you can see. And don't research it. Don't get a breakdown of the show. The IMDb summary and the Hulu summary both essentially say the same thing, that this storyteller slash conceptual magician, Derek Delgadio, seeks to answer the question, who who am I? Um, And what does that mean? And that's as much as I'll go into it. Um, I, it's amazing. I, I found it amazing. Um, I, I, I would, uh, impress upon people to, you know, really just watch it, like let yourself be taken in by it. But I don't think you'll need me to tell you that. Like I fa- I found it so involving and there are things he does in the show that make you really want to pay attention to make sure you don't miss something. Um, by the end of it, I found it incredibly moving. Um, there are funny parts. There are just, I I'll say the word moments that I was like, are you swear word kidding me? (laughs) Like, I, I really don't know how to describe it. Go watch it. It's 90 minutes. No, not violent, no nudity, some language, you know, uh, uh, it is, it is kind of heavy in that it's fairly introspective, but it's not depressing. This is not like a Schindler's List situation. Um, and I'm, I, I only say that because I know I have a higher threshold for the type of heavy that the mo- the show can get. So I, I want to like prepare people without assuming that everyone has my level of, of comfort with that kind of stuff. Um, but I really, really can't recommend it highly enough. Like as soon as I finished it, I texted like two people to be like, because I knew I was going to be recommending on the show. And I was like, you guys really got to watch this um i think it is the sort of thing that like helps you grow as a person in a, in a weird way um it's on hulu it is called uh in and of itself or derek delgadio's in and of itself i absolutely loved it that sounds very up my alley i might have to check that yeah, out. yeah i i th- there's actually a section in it tyler that i really really thought of you <laughs> during specifically i was like i think this will spark something in tyler i'm on board yeah yeah do y'all have any any cool recommendations this week i have a couple um i finished off invincible uh Mm. shocker still pretty good um nice i don't think it's quite the game changer that a lot of people seem to be making it out to be like like it is subversive in many ways but at the same time it's just I've seen other subversive superhero things. Like it doesn't have anything on like Watchmen or, sure. you know, um, and I'm talking about like the HBO series Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it was really, I, I thought it was really, really cool. Um, I kind of breezed through it. Um, although I probably could have been tightened up a little bit. Um, felt like a couple episodes were just kind of filler. Uh, but the violence, like you definitely have to get, see if you can get through the first episode because like the last episode or two were like 
genuinely shocking in terms of what they do with the violence and kind of collateral damage and, and stuff. Um, so I, it's, it's hard to tell at this point cause I watched it so recently. If like that's kind of warping my, my level of enjoyment with the show. Like, I'm wondering if I went back to it, if I would be like, Oh, this, sh- this show is like nothing but shock value and everything else is just kind of whatever. Um, I'm a little concerned that that's kind of the way it is versus something like the boys where there's actually like an interesting story and a lot of really interesting characters. Yeah. Um, and, and a reason for all of that shock. Right. And there, there is a reason for, for a lot of the violence in, gotcha. in invincible, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would be interested to see what I thought, thought of it upon a rewatch, but yeah. like, yeah, I, I I think it's 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 a pretty good time. If nothing else, for all the voice at work, it's got yeah yeah my man just tons of people on it. It's yeah. it's uh they're gonna do another season, right? Yes. It's like gonna be okay. I because I didn't know if it was a mini series or if it was gonna be a TV series. No, the show ends on a cliffhanger. Okay. I know the comic is like, I think it's almost as long as uh The Walking Dead. Oh wow. Um, in terms of total, I could be wrong. It might it might be a a, a decent amount shorter, but it's still. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was gonna say just Britain because you love Walking Dead so much. It's the same yeah. creator. So yeah. You might, you might get a kick out of it. Yeah. Just because of that. Um, the other thing I want to recommend is Mayor of Easttown oh. on HBO Max. Which, if you've been looking for a fourth season of True Detective, <laughs> um, <laughs> it is basically that. <laughs> uh, it's it's a murder mystery starring Kate Winslet and a bunch of other uh, famous people. Evan Peters showed up, and I was like. Oh my god! And he actually did things. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Fox X Men are going to be in this. I, I'm wait. I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> um, I'm hearing True yeah. Detective season five will be in the MCU. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Reported by um, Alex. But, but it really does feel like in very much in the vein of True Detective, where it's just like it's this like almost isolated world of all these interconnected characters. And we just kind of explore them in, in the context of like this horrible murder that's taken place and kind of the toll that, that it takes on, on Kate Winslet's life and kind of everything else that's going on. Um, and I'm sure there's all sorts of shows that I could compare it to, not necessarily just true detective, but I know um, at least Britain, I think you've seen the first season of true detective. I haven't right? seen any of it. You haven't oh, really? seen any of it. Yeah. I know Tyler, you were a big fan of it and you were pushing it on me for a long time. And then I watched all three seasons. I was like, where's the rest? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I have only seen the first season, which I'm a huge fan of. But yeah, Mayor of Easttown, I've only watched the first three episodes because it's it's still coming out weekly. Mm. Um, But it very much scratches that itch if you have that particular itch. So I can definitely get behind weekly because that means it is less of a time commitment. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Is it is it in England? Or is it American? No. Oh, it's American. Okay, yeah. interesting. Cool, cool, cool. Tyler, no, I don't. I don't think I have anything. I, uh, I, I finally finished Les Miserables, which I probably mentioned. Mm. Um, I, I'm sure if I have mentioned it, it was probably like a year ago. <laughs> that is a book that I've been continuing to work on, so I finally knocked that out. Um, and uh trying to finish up bloodborne you know, uh, read yes. some comics i have i have no strong recommendations these are just things that i've been consuming my time instead of like finding new things so there's some good there's some good uh marvel i i will actually you know what i'll throw this out here um 
I will say I'm going to recommend uh, Chip Zdarsky's current. I don't know if I said that right. I think I added too many vowels. He's got a lot of vowels in that name. Yeah. Zdarsky. Yeah. Um, his current run on Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil is a character who is almost always has like a really good creative team and has many, many acclaimed runs um, starting back in like the 80s with Frank Miller. Um, like there's just so many uh, that people would say they love. Um, but I think this is a, a really fantastic kind of like breakdown and reconstruction of the character that kind of takes it to some new places. Um, there, there's a few I've been, I've been really getting into like current Marvel stuff. I'm trying to catch up um, for anyone who doesn't know about Marvel unlimited. It uploads comics. Like I think it, it ranges from like three to five months behind when they actually come out in print. So you can keep up almost up to date with them, yeah. um, which is not a thing I've ever done before. Cause I've been reading so many comics that I like trying to catch up on so many. Um, but I'm close to getting there for quite a few uh, current runs of comics that I'm excited about. But that is one that I would definitely highlight. There's like already 25 issues, something like that. And it's it's real cool. Um, nice. It's, it's got your Daredevil. It's got your uh, Kingpin. Uh, it's got it's got a bit of Punisher. It's got all the good stuff. A sprinkling of Hellcat, perhaps. Mm. Probably not. No. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't want to say too much about it because there's a lot of cool twist with the character. But basically, I mean, the, the premise of the run that kind of sparks the entire thing is that Daredevil has like kind of been getting rusty and then he accidentally kills somebody mm. um, when he's just like stopping a, a minor robbery. Um, like he's, he's just beating a guy up and the guy like has a aneurysm or, or something to that effect. Mm. Like, like basically just like... Um, kills a guy and like it's him struggling with that and trying to figure out like did i actually do that was this a setup like there's the there's a whole thing running out of that it's a very fascinating place to take the character cool. yeah that is interesting i've never read a daredevil comic but that may be a place to start mm-hmm. um but now we've come to a place to stop podcasting that is <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, I should clarify for the readers <laughs> and listeners of our of our show, we're doing uh, Gojira next week. We're not going to be doing the American cut. We're doing the with Raymond Burr shoved in there and all the stuff cut out of it. We're we're doing the Ishiro Honda Japanese all all Japanese all Godzilla mm-hmm. uh, version of the picture. In case anyone you know is doing their homework. I believe that's the version they have on HBO Max. Um, so that's what we'll be doing. If you can't say it's not about nuclear holocaust, we ain't watching it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good, I hope. I've never seen it, so this will be a first for me. I'm really excited to watch where uh, my very big friend began. <laughs> Tyler, where can they find... Where, where, where can uh, they begin to find us? You can begin to find us and also end to find us on <laughs> here come the sequels.blogspot.com on uh, Twitter at HCT sequels. You can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. All so- right. Sounds good. I'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll end it here. We won't waste any more time. I've been Alex. I've been Britain. 
I've been Tyler, and y'all are having a good night. Yeehaw!